All right, we'll uh we'll get into it as long as my wife quiets down. What are you doing in there? I'm not podcasting. I'm talking to you, my wife, <laughs> who lives with me. What do I want? What are you? You're banging pots and pans in there. <laughs> I'm being ignored. You get ready to get hit by one. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. At least then I would know what was what was causing the noise <laughs> as it launched my face. <laughs> For a brief moment, you would know right before. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm recording now. I'm saying sweet things about you. What? I don't know. I didn't hear that. Probably better off. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have fun. Whatever you're doing, sweetheart. Just do it quietly. Your eyes never leave me, Merlin. Can't I acknowledge beauty? Can't you acknowledge love? Perhaps you ache for what you've never known. Perhaps you lust for what you cannot have. Cannot have? But you promised. All your secrets. You said you'd show me everything. I've shown you too much already. Merlin, you counsel her to the king or to my sister? <laughs> your service, sir. Then answer me this. For years, peace has reigned in the land. Crops grow in abundance. There's no want. Every one of my subjects enjoys his portion of happiness and justice. Tell me, Merlin, have we defeated evil? As it seems we have. Good and evil, there never is one without the other. Where hides evil, then, in my kingdom? Always. Where you never expect it. Always. He had to push that last button. <laughs> yeah, it was so close. <laughs> she uh, she so finally close. emerges. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was that last passive-aggressive comment. That <laughs> I said that yeah. fun. Goddamn minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, they say that was not a good thing to say. That was not nice. They're in disagreement with what I said. I'm going to put this in the show. I think people deserve a peek on who they're taking advice from <laughs> on relationships. <laughs> this idiot. Don't listen to him. <laughs> anyway, Excalibur. <laughs> We've got a lot to learn, a lot in common with these these men. <laughs> the round table. Uh, all right, we have a guest joining our round table. Josh, my co-host on Sober Cinema, and one of the original creators of War Machine vs. War Horse, has jumped in for this very obvious rom-com. One that instantly just, that's what people think of when they think romantic comedy is Excalibur. Remake this with Tom Hanks. That's, that's what's coming next. I mean, well, we do have uh, a Richard... Gear and uh, Sean Connery. So that might have been true. the easier version. First, First night, night probably yeah. would have been easier than this. <laughs> Good, call, got, uh, Good call. Yeah. That one does not have Helen Mirren as like a sorceress true. with a true. very cool body armor while she's yeah. crafting dark love magic. The weakness many movies have. It doesn't have Helen. Mirren. That's very true. <laughs> uh, so Josh, thank you for jumping in on this one. Uh, since we grew up together, I was like, well, I think he liked all that Arthur nonsense and this is certainly a lot of nonsense in this one <laughs> like yeah probably well, I, I guess 
thanks for having me. <laughs> kind of. Introduction. <laughs> introduction. Excellent. So uh, I'm going to try to introduce this movie. And I think the only thing I have working in my favor is that people will probably be somewhat familiar with the Arthurian legend. Like they're going to know there's mm-hmm. a love triangle with Lancelot. They're going to know there's a sword pulls out of the stone. I don't know if they're going to know that <laughs> one of the meat cutes, I guess here is that you have Gabriel Byrne who uh, just really craves uh, another man's wife, not only another man, but someone that he has just uh, formed an alliance with after, <laughs> after a bloody feud, a tentative alliance at best. I think. Well, okay. <laughs> I'll defend him just a little bit. They form this. They form this alliance. <laughs> They're throwing a party to celebrate the fact that no one else has to die or be sent to die mm-hmm. over really just muddy, you know, English terrain, worthless land, basically. Basically, <laughs> swamp. <laughs> there's there's a reason America exists, and it's because people got tired of fighting over that crap over there. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if we have any international listeners, but welcome uh, to the Grand Gesture. <laughs> so anyway, they're they're done fighting, and this is this is the opening of the film. And to celebrate this uh, uniting of various kingdoms and I guess fiefdoms, uh, <laughs> the guy that good word, Mike, I'm the guy that agrees to this so. sends his wife to the middle of this party, this dance hall, where I guess she does a version of a strip tease. There's a lot of hair movement. There's a lot of twirling of the hair. <laughs> so in Gabriel Burns' defense, I would feel like she's coming on to me and he's cool with this. <laughs> I love how you like hair twirling equals striptease. That's, <laughs> I'm still stuck on that. I mean, false equivalency going on. <laughs> you know, um, I'm wearing headphones. So my wife can't hear, but I've been to a few of those <laughs> gentlemen's clubs. Have you? Hmm. <laughs> Not too different. Actually, this was better. <laughs> this was you know vip lounge to one of those with you like kind of agree yeah this was the this was the champagne room and so <laughs> i'm watching this and i'm thinking like well okay maybe that's how <laughs> maybe that's how they celebrated peace you know no more wartime and then it gets uh i believe uh what the kids would say problematic and <laughs> <In> that <laughs> Gabriel Burns says, hey, Merlin, wizard buddy, uh, I've come to you for advice on this war. You said it would work out this way. Peace. That's all cool. Could you conjure up a spell to make me appear as that guy so I could sleep with his wife? Not great. (laughs) And a king is born. (laughs) Excalibur. Did I get it? Is that the meat cute? Yeah, Uh, pretty much. Well, you you did miss the... the (laughs) Kind of the desperate pleading of one night with the grain, <laughs> one night, it's all worth it. Yeah, he's not quite Robert Redford from Indecent Proposal. He's, <laughs> he is, uh. yeah, a little desperate, a, a, you know, a little thirsty, as the kids used to say. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. he knows what he wants, <laughs> and he's willing <laughs> to give up uh, the fruits of his labor. I don't know if that's the direct quote that Merlin says, but basically, if you procreate during this this one night. I get it. And, you know, much, I guess, like, I'm guessing Gabriel Byrne's character here just has really bad credit. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll pay that off later. Whatever. Take the job. <laughs> <away. laughs> 
so this is how we get King Arthur. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll toss it out to you all. And we'll, Dave, we'll start with you, then we'll go to our guests. I'm not really – I've never been like a big Arthur guy. Like, I mean, I like Monty Python, the Holy Grail. I did see First Night at some point. I've seen Disney's The Sword in the Stone. But it's just like that thing where it's like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, that I, I know the like the cliff notes. I'd, I'd never, I'd forgotten, or maybe the films that I watched just skipped over. This is how Arthur came to be <laughs> under this trickery. Yeah. yeah, I think most films skip over this. I mean, I like my entire knowledge of Arthurian legend comes from movies. I, you know, reading books. Fuck that. I'm not interested. Just put it on a giant screen for me, so so I can understand it. Helen Mirren. Um, I understand. And, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and the little behind the scenes while I was watching this, I was texting Mike and just angry at how long it took Mel- Helen Mirren to show up. So I'm like, what is this bullshit? I've been here for 45 minutes. Which made me like the movie even more. There. I mean, the fact that it was making you angry, that only worked this for me. me. Yeah. Be in pain. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think probably a lot of it has to do with the time this movie was made. Um, it's made in 1981. So just kind of coming out of the seventies. So it was a little bit off kilter where it wasn't designed to be like a family film. Like, sword in the stone or you know fill in whatever arthur movie you want to i mean even the most recent arthur movie directed by guy ritchie didn't go into any of this nonsense so yeah usually i think this is skipped over what about you josh too were you uh is this something you were familiar with as far as the the start of this uh hero's journey yeah actually um it probably doesn't speak very well to like the the free access i had to certain movies i guess when i was young like this is one of my where is this this is one of my this is one of my earlier well i I just you know i I can't remember how old i was but i was quite young when i got my hands on excalibur and and it was like i might have seen uh the sword in the stone before this but like this was pretty much my introduction to to 10 year old (laughs) yeah i mean well not just that there's a lot of crazy stuff going on and it's like what in the world uh, there is. I'm sure it lessened the impact of Disney's The Sword in the Stone if you started with this and then tried to yeah, cool that down. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I am pretty familiar with um, Arthurian uh, lore, you know, legend and everything. And uh, this is pretty much the, the most accurate uh, cinematic telling we have of the actual mytholo- uh, mythology. Um. For that reason, it, it actually is really good. It it is probably you know out there for a lot of viewers, but it's uh it's a very good retelling though. I actually do like the movie. I think it's a it's yeah. a weird fever dream type movie. Yeah, like it just oh yeah absolutely. Yeah, I I felt like okay if I was more you know if I was more well read or more of a fan of this 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 tale, then I would be like, oh, cool. They're hitting all the highlights and the points. But where I'm kind of playing catch up, like <laughs> where the film does things like the opening where I'm like, do what now? We're going <laughs> to Merlin's going to Merlin's going to cast this spell so he can Merlin was a good guy. He can basically <laughs> basically rape this woman and then they're going to have a child. And yeah, and I've not even mentioned the fact that, you know, this this starts, I guess, this sort of blood feud with with arthur which is just gonna it's gonna continue on you're gonna get a weird little aryan nation blonde haired kid and draped in gold later that's gonna pop up in the woods and that's terrifying that looks like something out of like a david lynch movie just all of a sudden he's just stalking the grounds uh so i can see kind of why josh liked it because i know you you kind of like those sort of heavily stylized just kind of creepy movies and this is very creepy at times oh yeah yeah i mean especially once you uh 
uh, you transition into the uh, the search for the Holy Grail, you know, that's when it really gets um, like a fever dream. You know, the, I mean, the whole the whole movie has a very dreamlike quality to it, but that's that's when it gets extra weird, you know, and, <laughs> and it's, you know, you're not exactly positive where you're at and what's going on. Let's get into, okay, the Holy Grail, because that, I guess there's, that's the, the breakup is probably the easiest thing to define in this movie, because you go through a series of characters uh, that make these packs, these, I mean, there's a series of meat cutes and grand gestures for different people who will then be cast off, because they basically make their pact, not with the devil, because Merlin, obviously, is he's for good. But he oftentimes doesn't really. Look, he, well, he doesn't. He definitely skips over the fine print on things, or he doesn't let them linger on it too much, where he knows they're probably right. making a bad Just decision. Move on. One thing I thought was interesting is you know we get to Arthur, and so when he comes of age, um, he is able to pull Excalibur from the stone and uh, is able to sort of reclaim. And it does feel it feels very Star Wars esque, where it's like okay, this very bad thing happened. But out of it was created this guy who's going to unite the land again. It's like bringing balance to the force. And so he's reunited with his family legacy, the sword. And that is his totem. That's what shows everybody this no-name kid deserves this. But then Merlin, yet again, it's like things keep, you know, it's like uh, the flat circle, true detective for Merlin. Like he thinks he's united the kingdom again. Finally, it's like, okay, all right. You know, we had that one bad night where I helped this, this dude rape another woman, <laughs> but it's all one been worth it. Night. It's all been worth do? it. And Arthur sees uh, Guinevere, who is in the film, the, and maybe this is uh, Josh, you know, just play the playbook of the legend here is. Uh, the daughter of this guy in the film that he 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 does offer his neck to like, mm -hmm. and so he has proven to these guys the true knights, the guys that have been out there fighting these these feuds in this war that he's worthy. And up to this point, it feels like okay, this is a good this is a good guy. He's like you know he's he's not arrogant in any way. Uh, he was brought up in servitude, uh, had a good adoptive father, and so you think Merlin's gonna be like. Yes, this is a good thing. You're not asking me to cloak you in disguise and sleep with a woman. You're you have an old fashioned crush, and Merlin uh, in the film is like, mm, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> I'm like, now you don't think it's a good idea? Like the other stuff was fine, but this little schoolboy crush in the midst of a celebration, he's like, you know, I see bad things, which eventually will come down the road in the form of a good old fashioned love triangle with Lancelot, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, but it's interesting the way this film handles it. It's not like first night where that's what dominates the runtime. Uh, it's almost, they treat it like from Merlin's point of view that it's like, this is just bound to happen. Like something yeah. mm -hmm. that's just, it's just, you know, it's fate that this is going to happen. And my favorite part of the film, other than Helen Mirren and the body armor and the, the voodoo and all that, uh, is Liam Neeson, which I guess is part of that. Part of the charm is By the like, way, everyone is in this movie. In case you didn't know, yeah, like Patrick good Stewart, God, yeah, star-studded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus, uh, Liam Neeson, I guess, is the first one under uh, Helen Mirren, the uh, the sister of Arthur, who comes back uh, into the fold <laughs> to uh, to you know wreck havoc and get revenge. Puts it in his ear that it's like, hey, Lancelot, Arthur's like best bud, his best knight. Here's a thing for his wife. And my favorite scene was Liam Neeson, where it's like, that tears it, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's no good. <laughs> That's the line. <laughs> I know where. Where, Sir Gawain? 
I cannot say. You must speak your heart. You sit at the round table. Where is this evil? He's our best and our bravest. Why then is he never here? Without Lancelot, this table is nothing. Is there anyone here who doesn't think of a god? And now to be driven from us by a woman's desire! In the idleness that comes with peace, I see that gossip has bred its own evil. I will forgive your hasty words. Come. Drink from Lancelot's cup and partake of his goodness. You dare accuse the Queen, Gawain. I do! I protest my innocence! Were I not king, I would make you pay with your life for what you've said. Will you not champion me? I cannot. I'm your king and I must be your judge in this. Lancelot must do it. He also stands accused. I decree that at sunrise, two days from now, the champions will meet and the truth shall be known. And, <laughs> Josh, maybe that's what you're talking about. It is, I mean, it's accurate, but it's also, and maybe that's the only way to do this type of story is to be accurate. It's going to come across as silly, too, because everyone is has these grand emotions that they, like, can't control it's themselves. Elevated, yeah, like kind of has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was something I was going to point out. It was that you know, like for instance, you're, you're talking about like at the beginning when um, Merlin agrees to uh, cloak the guy and make him look like the uh, the opposition. That way he can <laughs> sleep with Ingrain. Uh, you have to understand that it's like the the coming of the king. You know, the person to uh, wield Excalibur and, and rule the land is like biblical proportions like you know like almost like a, a religious event so um to him that was a you know a lesser a much lesser evil it's like you know we'll do what we gotta this do is the, like, the think, breaking the eggs part of the omelet making is what you're saying yeah <laughs> yeah i, I think I, I, now i'm sorry i can't remember what you know arthur's dad's name was off the top of my head but i Uther? think he thought yeah yeah he, he thought he was going to be that king and then he sees through all this like no he's not yeah, he's distracted. Yeah, he's got his faults. So I know what I'll do. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and give in to his vice, and uh, I'll get the boy out of this, and I'll be able to actually mold him into being the king that he should be. Uh, and it's kind of the it's kind of the same thing of even what you were talking about with um, Liam Neeson's character. You know, like I guess honor and you know the the code of the, of the knights of the round table and everything's supposed to be so high and everything that like yes if there, if there was uh you know any suspicion even being planted in his ear that there was something going on between Guinevere and Lancelot it would be a very uh <laughs> it, it would be a very um colorful reaction you know that he would have much <laughs> like what he had you know so uh, that's just kind of the world we're playing in, you know. It's very everything's grand. The idea of the round table is, uh, you know, Arthur is setting out that this is going to be a much more uh, open reign. That he is, he's, mm -hmm. he's allowing these people who have fought for him to have some say and some sway over him. That this is mm -hmm. not just going to be his whims. It's and he's very proud to have that 
the way he sort of was brought up in that sort of tie to the land. And that's, that's one thing I really like about the film. And it's a little strange because you see that that's like Merlin's undoing is, you know, mm-hmm. when Excalibur is thrown back into the ground. Arthur sort of throws it in rage when he catches Lancelot with his wife. And that's how Merlin is like ensnared by Morgana. And you know, that's what it goes back to that fever dream where I'm like, what? Oh, okay. I, I guess magic. Just, just, you yeah. just got to accept it and <laughs> yeah. let it go. <laughs> like, all right, whatever. Uh, I'll clarify that scene a little bit for you. I, I, he was actually in the midst of – he he was aware that uh, Morgana was trying to manipulate the situation, and he was in the midst of getting ready to try to uh, capture her and ensnare her. But when Arthur did what he did, uh, I guess um, Merlin's link to Excalibur or whatever, the, the, him giving up the kingship mm-hmm. and, and throwing the sword back to the ground – it kind of like wounds him. And in that moment she seizes control and, and traps him. So, uh, yeah, that's what's going on there. There's a lot of, it's, it's hard for this, the premise of this podcast, cause there's a lot of grand gestures that pretty much bring all these people together and pretty much they're for good or bad. Everything that unites him is somebody's previous grand gesture. So, uh, Morgana, you know, she, there's a version of the story where she's in the right. She's she witnesses something awful happen to her mother. Is that not mm-hmm. what we watched? I'm just on her side. That's <laughs> no, I, think, I think it's uh, I think it's when she she makes her own grand gesture of uh, you know pulling <laughs> pulling a, a play out of the Merlin playbook and cloaking herself <laughs> as Guinevere to have sex with her brother and create this horrifying little Nazi child that's roaming hey, the kingdom. Turn about fair play. She learned from Merlin. That's still on him. But it's weird for me, like uh, you know even. There's an addiction to it, and it's like there's an addiction to romance, even though we don't see a lot of Arthur and Guinevere in this film. that's I guess that's first night. Um, she's pretty much just a, a figure. You see a lot more uh, grand gestures between other men. Really. Like it, the whole thing with Arthur and Lancelot, like it's like it doesn't make any damn sense why he needs to best this night. Like I think he, Lancelot even says, like, you don't really even need this bridge or this, like, little plot of land. Like, I'm just up here mm-hmm. minding my business waiting for a king to follow to prove himself. You're just wanting one more thing, and you already have pretty much everything else. Why do you want it? And it's like because, I don't know, Arthur, like, he needs, like, to be surrounded by the best. I guess that's why Camelot, you know, that's why, like, it's associated with, like, the Kennedy years and everything is that that's, like, the best possible time. So there is something – there's a huge flaw with Arthur, and there's also a lot to like about the character that he's – he doesn't rest on his laurels, and when he does, that's when everything goes to shit. Well, and even even when he makes mistakes, uh, like insisting on fighting Lancelot, you know, Excalibur breaks, but then he immediately does humble himself and like, oh, I, you know, I messed up. I should not have been doing that. You know, my pride, my ego, uh, got in the way and everything. So that that's what makes Arthur so likable. Even when he does cross that line, he's quick to realize. Uh, his mistake and, and try to recover it. But to be fair, isn't it pretty obvious that he's made a mistake when Excalibur shatters? It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Runs, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I think a blind man would know you made a mistake. At that yeah. Point. Like maybe I should humble myself. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I mean, he's kind of crippled by fear. Like, Oh God, what have I done? <laughs> my, my entire like kingship, my birthright, everything just smashed in front of my eyes because of my mm-hmm. pride. But yep. Well, there's something to this film that all the characters, they have to have some huge visual cue that they've done right or wrong. 
like even the quest for the Holy Grail is like we need this object basically and that's what's going to set Arthur back on course like he needs proof visual proof and it's it's weird that it's a film uh where it's like the the lesser characters the ones that aren't ruling land are the ones that have faith in a higher power in this case it may be Arthur they have faith that this is the guy that's going to lead them uh to prosperity like i really do like the scene where the guy is off- offered excalibur and Arthur shows his neck and he could just kill him because <laughs> up to that point he's like i'm not going to follow this little punk kid I don't believe he's king, but it's the larger than life characters. It's the Lancelots who goes off in the wilderness when he sees Excalibur there. Um, You know, it's Merlin that's tied to the sword. It's Arthur when he sees the Holy Grail. So my question, I guess, to Dave is like, if you're watching this on this show, we often try to try to apply this to our real life, which (laughs) I don't think any of us are on that scope. But my question to you, Dave, is, (laughs) is there a character you can identify with on that scale? Because everyone is so larger than life here. Um, this, I mean, I think that is the difficult part of any movie that's based on legend. Like, like you guys mentioned, it's so larger than life that it's really hard to connect with any of these people. I think the good part about this movie and any Arthur movie worth its salt is that it starts with Arthur being kind of the lowest of the low. You know, like working for Kay, you know, fetching his sword. So I think there's enough there that you can kind of tie yourself to Arthur, not only because he starts off as the lowest of the low, but also that, you know, as you guys kind of talked about throughout the movie, he makes mistakes and he makes mistakes that a lot of people would make in that situation. Like, you know, kind of giving into the power of Excalibur and the power of Merlin and going too far. So I think there's enough there um, for me to, to kind of connect with this character. So Arthur's the one I kind of bonded to while watching this movie. Percival for me, definitely Percival. Cause I like, I like his introduction and he's just like, I got nothing better going on. You handsome dude. Who's like the best knight in the land. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, you know, drift alongside you and just hope I get a little bit of that Lancelot, you know, <laughs> scent the on me. Off, yeah, I guess <laughs> just because it's like, he's like, okay, that does sound like you. That I mean, <laughs> but he's also the one like that has, I think he actually has more of the Arthur arc in a way. Because the they they have to really watch the runtime on this if you're going to tell the whole like we mentioned other movies that tell a part of the story and not trying to tell the whole thing, and so the it's Arthur up there yeah Arthur so. is like a uh, you know as a teenager or whatever you don't see too much it's just the day like he gets the sword uh, I feel like Percival you didn't get a hint of who Arthur was as far as the guy that sees he sees opportunity in the sense that like I constantly have to prove myself I have to prove my worth in Camelot in this great time of prosperity and he's yeah. willing to do it. He's the one that steps up for Lancelot <laughs> to fight an enraged and somewhat crazed <laughs> Liam Neeson and thankfully doesn't have to go through <laughs> with it. <laughs> but I also like to what Josh said, I, my favorite part is the grail quest in this. And mm-hmm. I, I like seeing Percival at that point. It is just, it's just such a weird movie and it's such a dark, mm-hmm. like yeah. the stuff that he's interacting with when he finds, Morgana again and that opportunity like it is it is this weird temptation and then him talking to himself and talking to the grail and I, th- I thought oh that was cool that's almost like another movie yeah. to itself that could have watched it is yeah. yeah absolutely Josh you didn't answer who are you I'm, I'm guessing you're a Lancelot guy that's who you see yourself as well that's kind of I don't know that's <laughs> awfully boastful uh, <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> I do like you up. um Man, I mean, it's kind of hard to like say that you relate to one of these characters without making yourself sound like, yeah, I'm awesome. Um, 
I do like one thing I do like about Lancelot quite a bit is the uh, the fact that he he recognizes and, and acknowledges that he's loving in love with Guinevere early on. And because of that, and because he loves Arthur so much as a friend and as a King, uh, you know, he dismisses himself from the round table meetings and stuff and just stays like <laughs> off in the woods. Like I'm not going to put myself in the path of temptation. You know, I'm going to cut myself off from possibly doing something that I, I don't want to do. He does inception so I, her though. He does put that i mean he's the idea <laughs> he puts that in there he's saying that i will respect you and love you as a queen and as uh my king and best friend's wife mm-hmm. but i do love you just want to throw that out there. yeah yeah just think about it just think about it and along with that i also do very much like arthur's response of i mean first off it was pretty cool that uh Arthur is very realistic with his um, remembering uh, Marilyn's warnings about what would happen with Guinevere, and he doesn't act surprised. You know, like when when she when he sees her right off, he he asks Marilyn, he's like, uh, "Is it is it happening? Is <laughs> is, is, that, is that what's going down? It, it, it's yeah. happening, isn't it?" Uh, for all the drama, that is one moment that you would think would be played for a lot of melodrama. And no, yeah, no, pretty understated. No, very like, like it's happening. Oh yeah, we knew this was gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the, the, him responding with you know Excalibur between them, I'm like that's that's pretty hardcore, dude. I mean that's 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 the way you uh, that's the way you do it. You don't you don't hurt that's anybody. A a you don't actually get violent. But when you know you've made your statement, they know you know yeah. and Hard to uh, Excalibur's yeah. greatest power is to <laughs> incite shame. <laughs> on your best friend and wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbearable yeah. shame. I want to talk about one one other of my favorite parts of the film is I guess when we get to the grand gesture, uh, you know, for Lancelot just staying on him, it's him wanting to know, even in his dying breath when he comes back to their aid, that in some way Guinevere has been redeemed. And that's a it's a weird thing because as I said, the women in this film, other than Helmirin, who gets to be like the ultimate badass, um, Guinevere is just sort of off to the side, but Lancelot seems to be like very concerned that she's not, she's will no longer be slut shamed in this world that yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. is she queen again? Is will she be seen as a queen? And it's, it's like, it just doesn't go how you would expect in that. Like Josh, you talked about how much honor they feel in it. I guess it is. He's saying, does she have her honor back? But mm-hmm. Arthur is like, totally like, of course, like I mean, there's no yeah. there's no lingering like resentment <laughs> yeah. for what they've gone what through. You... <laughs> He's just like, yeah, absolutely, buddy. <laughs> like, why wouldn't she? <laughs> Have you seen all well, the other crazy shit that's been happening? <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, I mean, in all fairness, though, it is the it is the betrayal that kind of um, begins the I, I guess you would call it a curse on Arthur. Uh, you know, they describe how Arthur's well-being is attached to the land, you mm-hmm. know, so he grows ill from this, like, curse. I mean, it's not really explained, but it's, he's essentially cursed once he well, gives he up Excalibur. His sister, that'll... That, that does it, too. That, that'll mess a person up. <laughs> that's the... That's uh, the, the, the on this show. <laughs> that Jeez. is the uh, cursed cherry on top, is banging your sister. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think at this point, like, once he gets the grill... <laughs> How do you come back from that? Helen Mirren is definitely the whipped cream on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. 
<laughs> Still looking spry, even now. Still worth the curse. <laughs> oh. I'm going to go see Winchester after this recording, boys. <laughs> oh. Josh, you were you had a thought there. <laughs> I did, somewhere in there. It's like, did I? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I guess what I was getting at is uh, at this point, you know, Arthur's gotten the grill and uh, that has not only healed him, but it's healed the land. And I think it's kind of like his eyes are open that like, OK, this is even this is bigger than me. You know, this is bigger than me and my personal relationships. Uh, again, it goes back to that, you know, religious experience almost. And. So he realizes, like, yes, you know, all's forgiven. You know, you all played your role in it. I I knew what I was getting into when I went down that road, and it played out. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's reasonable that he, at that point, he you know he's he's pretty much just trying to forgive and move on. And I, I think he knows he has one last role to play in the story, and he's just trying to get to that point. Does that work for you, Dave? Because uh, to Josh's point, almost all the characters sacrifice themselves for something even their villain here is not really going to reap the benefits of this we're gonna i mean she's all thinking about her child and to, in her mind she is <clears throat> riding a wrong that the land was taken from her i mean mm-hmm. literally like cloaked cloak and dagger stuff taken and her mom was raped for this to happen so for her the land can never be camelot is has to be a huge insult to her it's very existence mm-hmm. And so you, you have Lancelot, who's worried about the you know the, the queen and her being respected. And after that, he goes like you know he fights valiantly. Uh, Arthur, um, even you know my boy <laughs> Percival, who doesn't want to get rid of Excalibur, is like are you, Arthur. You know you have made a couple mistakes in the past, <laughs> and you're dying. Are you sure you want to get rid of this? Even he gives that up, you know, for the mm-hmm. future, presumably something he'll never experience. Right? Does that does that work for you dave like you know are you are you a morgana person are you are you the little nazi well, see, now you've trapped me <laughs> you were about to say morgana weren't you he wants to say morgana you can you, you can see it and hear his voice that's why I, I started with there were a lot of bad yeah, things that happened like, to her and right she was justified and then at the very end i'm like but she was terrible and so are you dave so. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm okay with that you're not the first person this week to say that um i think um i think most of those work um, I, I still kind of have an issue with what, what you brought up, this kind of idea that like, oh, Arthur's totally fine with, with his queen now. Like, yeah, that's cool. And it just, I don't know, it felt a little rushed and it felt like, well, we're already at 150 minutes. Let's just mm. wrap this up. We don't really have time to explore this, but I do like the fact that, you know, it's a movie like this. It's really easy to just play one side and just be like, well, Arthur is the good guy and she's the bad guy. And that's kind of it. And I like that the movie kind of takes a little bit of time and goes like, no, she has a reason for mm-hmm. being this upset and doing these obviously terrible things. Like, yes, what she is doing is terrible, but you can see her motivation for it. So I think, I think the movie in general does a really good job of showing us why people do what they do and having those motives questioned from time to time. Um, so I think like 90% of the time it works, but the one time it doesn't really is the, the Guinevere Arthur, like, Oh, I guess that's cool now. Like that felt a little hollow to me, but the only thing I do like about it, I mean, and and it's team Helen Mirren. That's not, cool. <laughs> uh, is that anytime in this film, the Arthur, uh, gets personal or doesn't see himself as some sort of icon. Um, because even as a, as a, uh, a boy, he is giving up 
really this previous persona to to be this leader that he's not equipped to be yet, and he knows that. So the one time he does something just, you know, out of personal anger, not for the land, is what screws him. So I do understand why in this in this film why he would be so forgiving and so guilty about what he had done. Um, but yeah, it is uh, yeah. I- I was going to say that it's it is a film though that I don't know if it would remove the, the sort of fever dream aspect of it that I like stylistically, but it is one when I got to the end I was like you know it probably could have been longer like and I think if they did it today they would right. they would make it a full like three plus hour epic oh yeah yeah yep definitely yep actually if they had come out like probably twenty years before twenty years after it's in that window yeah if it had been they the sixties weird yeah. sweet spot where they're like nah <laughs> and not wrap this up. To a uh, deep of a side tangent, but uh, Borman was actually trying his best to do Lord of the Rings mm. before he had to settle on Excalibur. So, oh, he had to settle uh, for that one. <laughs> I yeah, guess. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I can, I get it. I guess that's just what he really had his sights on. Just what we it, need: it, it a two and a half hour Lord of the Rings. No thanks. No, <laughs> no, but that. I mean. <laughs> It might have been similar to those those the animated ones though. I could see it being kind yeah. of just as weird as as those. Yeah, yeah. the the Holy With Grail stuff yeah. makes me think I would like to have seen his version of you know Lord of the Rings. It might might would be a miss, but is who this, knows? Is this dude still alive or no? Does has he passed on? I don't know anything about uh, John Borman, unfortunately. I think oh he is uh, eighty. He is living, uh, but he's eighty five, okay. so hmm. probably not going to get the uh, Amazon TV series gig. But no. and I, d- I doubt that uh, Bezos is like, let's do Excalibur for our $250 million <laughs> Lord of the Rings show. Well, he last directed a movie in 2014. You never know. He's still you know relatively active. So we have a chance now that Amazon owns Lord of the Rings, you know, could have it. We'll but. see what sort of sway we have over Amazon. You know, they're, they're busy with healthcare <laughs> yeah. now, so they'll leave, they'll leave us Lord of the Rings. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Me, Dave, and Josh from Sober Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a smart call. Absolutely. Uh, all right. I think I think I think we managed to get through that. I just skipped over about eighty <laughs> percent of the names, but I'm just like, you know what? It's a good call. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got the rapist in there. I got Arthur and Lancelot. Percival. Yep. That's it. That's you all you Percival. Percival. Can't forget Percival. <laughs> uh, all right, Josh. One more time. Uh, pimp out. Uh, yeah, what you do at Sober Cinema. But actually, I don't think you got to pimp it out the first time, so that means I'm going to have to go back and pimp it out in the intro at the start. Uh, unless you can oh, give me okay. two versions right now, and then I'll just cut it together. Two, <laughs> give me two, two different readings. Is that really what you want from me, Mike? Mm, <laughs> yes, I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll keep it natural and go ahead and take us through the outro here right now. Okay. Uh, All right. So, yeah, uh, please check out our podcast that I co-host with you and the nasty Hellcat, Jared Dotson, um, sober cinema. Uh, we, we, we choose two movies that were re- released at relatively the same time. Uh, one being a fairly popular film and one being more of an unknown. And we, uh, we pass judgment on the, uh, the audience <laughs> as to whether or not, they knew what they were doing. You know, should they have watched that movie or should they have checked out the other movie? All right. That was the, uh, that was the Merlin reading, I'm guessing, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, of course, check, uh, you know, check us out at Sober Cinema on Twitter and 
give us some uh, feedback on on the old iTunes <laughs> you can, while you're at it. Well, I was gonna say if you get feedback on Twitter, you can be as negative as possible because it's Jared that answers those tweets. So yes. <laughs> I just I like the idea of him just raging at work when someone <laughs> says, "I don't like that Jared guy on there." <laughs> uh, I guess Bonus it's time points. for me to create another account so I can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that was good. I can handle the other one. I'll do the okay. other reading. I don't know which one it'll be. Uh, or maybe I'll get Dave to do a Morgana reading or something. Um, mm, perfect. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can follow this show on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Grand Gesture Pod. Uh, Dave's at PC Case Study. And uh, I'm not at Sober Cinema. But if you send tweets there, say that you love Mike and Josh uh, and hate Jared. That would be, that's mm-hmm. good enough for me. Perfect. I see no mist. Have your powers faded too? The charm. That's it. Use the charm. Have you forgotten the charm of making? Use it. Anal Nathrach. Uthvas Bethud. Oh, that's it. Oh, gold. Oh, that's grand. Anal Nathrach Urfas Bethad. Careful, it can damage your beauty. Anal Nathrach, Doch